Hi, I'm Geeta Nandikotkur, Managing Editor for Asia and Middle East with Information Security Media Group. I had the pleasure of speaking to Ant Allen, Vice President and Analyst at Gartner, to discuss about the identity challenges facing the enterprises today due to lack of resources and also due to growing demand from business during the new normal. Welcome, Anne. Thanks for joining the call today. Hope you're doing it's good. It's my pleasure. Yes, thank you very much. And what I see today is the COVID-19 has taken the world by storm. And it has thrown up huge identity challenges at the enterprises, the security practitioners across. So as a researcher, what are the big concerns that you see from identity point of view, authentication point of view? Okay, so I think the, the biggest challenge we've seen is the huge shift to remote work. For most enterprises. We saw a lot of calls earlier in the year that my colleagues took around different remote access technologies, about how to scale up VPN deployments, about alternatives like zero trust network access, what we used to call software-defined perimeter. And we've also seen uh, increased interest in uh, providing access to SaaS applications. And all of these things are technologies that organizations were deploying and investigating for remote access, for access to new business systems. But it's suddenly the scaling of this, having to provide this access to large numbers of people. And our expectation was that organizations would see a, would have a response to this to improve the security of that. And one of my main concerns is I'm not sure that organizations are properly addressing the security issues. It could be that organizations have scaled up the number of people who are working from home, who are using remote access, and they've managed to extend their existing authentication capabilities to provide multi-factor authentication for remote access. But we just haven't seen the same level of client interest that we had in the remote solutions, remote access solutions themselves. So there's a concern that organizations may not be properly addressing the risks. And I think there are certainly challenges in doing that. Clearly, it's another thing that you have to invest in providing authentication for large number of users potentially has a cost impact. Although we do see that several of the vendors are saying that you can have three months increased capacity at no additional cost, and then we'll level set uh, after that. But there's also the overhead of managing all of that. I think some organizations maybe see this shift to remote work as just a temporary challenge, and they may be willing to accept a higher level of risk during that time and do without multi-factor authentication, uh, which I would say is possibly imprudent, but it may be a sound decision. I also see from some clients that there are concerns about having to have people use multi-factor authentication who've never used it before. And these people are now working at home under stressful conditions and adding additional burden by asking them to do something quite unusual for them as part of the work their working practice is maybe a consideration that uh, organizations are balancing this and saying, well, yes, there is higher risk, but there's also an impact which is going to affect people. 
how people work and balancing that is you know a business decision so it may be that's behind some of the, the some of the some of the way the organizations are thinking as well uh, yes and what you said is absolutely right there's been a confusion so another major aspect here is that also that pract- there is a distinction identity and authentication there are two different things right you have so what is the strategy that enterprises the cisos are building around these two concepts uh, to align with their security posture well i think um we may be slight uh, would slice things slightly differently you know there is an, an identity management process which is making sure that you are managing the life cycle of people correctly and making sure that they have correct access to the systems they need with the correct rights so that uh, they can uh, do their job and that you know, is a largely Uh, administration issue making sure that people have the access they need when they need it providing that in a timely way is a concern and drives a lot of heavy investment in identity governance administration tools and the like you know authentication is really about having confidence that the people accessing the systems are those that you intended to have access it's a way of mitigating account takeover risks it's a way of ensuring that you know controls that you have around access like segregation of duties are enforced and we've seen in the past that uh, you know organizations have had challenges where people have shared colleagues accounts and bypassed those kind of rules uh, so making sure that you have an authentication capability that can provide you with a, an appropriate level of confidence in the user's identity that brings the risk of account takeover within your enterprise risk tolerance you know it's not something you can be 100% confident about it's just a matter of making sure that the level of risk is uh, tolerable to the enterprise right. and also to to make sure that um, not just that you're thwarting potential cyber criminals that are trying to attack your corporate network but also that you are ensuring that uh, your own employees aren't trying to bypass controls to prevent fraud and so on so you have been into researching and you have been understanding the various challenges that the security practitioners have so are there mm-hmm. any kind of innovations that's happening in the identity you know, related domains or uh, technologies that is really oh, helping the enterprises yes i, I think the um, you know certainly from my point of view and my focus is is more on the authentication side but i would say that one of the key ideas is tied up with a general shift that we're seeing across the industry that is putting a, a greater and greater emphasis on user experience and this is very evident in customer facing solutions so customer im we know that if you don't get authentication right you could actually lose customers to competitors so there's a very clear business reason for trying to make things work from a user experience point of view to enhance customer experience but we're increasingly seeing the same kind of ideas coming into play for workforce use cases as well that if you are interrupting people with not just authentication but any other kind of security challenges that they have you are making them less engaged you are getting in the way of uh, agility you are stopping that person's contribution to the enterprise so we're seeing uh, a lot more investment in uh, authentication technologies and broader approaches that can enhance the user experience and this is not just this is not just a nice to have i think one of the uh, one of the key issues is that we are now scaling up the number of people who need mfa or some some additional level of user authentication historically 
an, uh, an enterprise would put in place MFA just for those people with remote access, which may be only a percentage of the total user population. Nowadays, we see people uh, providing access to SaaS applications for everybody in the company. And in some circumstances where you're supporting remote access, you do need MFA for everybody in the company now. So the, the friction that's generated by legacy MFA approaches using hardware tokens and such like uh, is not tolerable. You can't handle that for everybody. You can't ask everybody to, to use that. And I think the other issue is that uh, if you have poor user experience with multi-factor authentication, then people find ways to make it easier for themselves, which can erode the security. Okay. So I think the biggest single shift over the past decade or so has been away from those kind of legacy hardware tokens, the one-time password tokens that are, were very common when I started in security, which was quite a long time ago now. And we've seen more and more organizations using people's uh, cell phones and smartphones as the authentication token. And there are different ways of doing that. And some of those aren't terribly strong. We see a lot of organizations using out-of-band SMS. Um, and that's attractive in some ways because it's very easy to set up. All you need is the person's cell phone number. Um, but there are a number of ways of attacking that. But there are ways of using a smartphone through an app on the phone, uh, either to generate a, a one-time passcode uh, within the app, or one-time password within the app. But over the past uh, um, nearly 10 years now, we've seen what we call mobile push, where you just get a prompt to an app on the phone. You just have to acknowledge that. You don't have to type a one-time password. And that actually makes for something which is uh, somewhat more secure and has a better user experience. And that's what we see most clients wanting. And that is really very well established for clients looking at any kind of remote access, VPN, virtual desktops, and so on, through to access to SaaS applications. That is people, uh, that is what we see clients are looking for uh, for, for most of their users. The challenge is that not everyone still has a suitable smartphone, or if you're asking them to use a personal device, not everyone is happy doing that. So we still see some organizations using a small percentage of hardware tokens for some of their users. By and large, you know, the shift has been towards these, uh, these phone-based methods. Okay, so how relevant is this strategy around uh, risk-based authentication? Most practitioners I understand during the COVID time, remote workforce, they are deploying this kind of you know, authentication mechanism. So can you elaborate on yeah. that? Yes, yes, I'd be happy to. And I think there are a variety of ways of, of describing this. I think risk-based is one of the things, one of the terms that some of the vendors used from the early days. We also hear people referring it to it as uh, adaptive authentication in different contexts in, in Microsoft Azure AD environments. It's really part of what they call a conditional access. So the, the terminology varies, but the, the idea is really that you are making a decision about whether or not you need to use an additional authentication factor in a conventional sense. So as well as the initial password-based authentication, you start looking at contextual signals. And at a very simple level, you can look at the device people are using, their geographic location, what network they're on, and so on. And you can fold these into a decision and say, does this look like the genuine user? Does this match our expectations? And if you feel that provides a certain level of confidence along with the initial password, then you may choose not to use multi-factor authentication, you may not to choose not to add that additional authentication factor. Yeah. Um, what you do need to do is have a situation where you can recognize situations where 
uh, things change. And I think that's one of the challenges of some of the ways this is implemented, that people make a binary decision at login about the level of confidence they have in a user uh, with that combination of password plus contextual signals. But maybe later on, there is a higher risk activity that that person wants to do, or maybe something changes in the environment and there's an indicator of a risk, maybe compromise of the person's PC. And a, we see a need for a continuous assessment of risk and trust. And this is part of a model that Gartner calls CARTA, Continuous Adaptive Risk and Trust Assessment. So if you're taking this adaptive approach, it's not just a matter of choosing whether or not to use MFA at login. You really should be looking at this throughout the session and particularly when a user is accessing a new resource that maybe has a higher risk associated with it that you can uh, then prompt for multi-factor authentication to elevate trust. Or maybe you choose to mitigate risk in some other way. But uh, an adaptive approach um, that starts with that risk-based decision really needs to be able to respond to changes that happen during a session. Interesting. So what do you think these new technologies or platforms like Zero Trust or any other such you know, new buzzwords that we are hearing is enabling this authentication processes in uh, helping these, like, as you mentioned, in detecting or in spotting these indicators of risk? Right. So I, I think there are, there are two parts to this. I think there is a security benefit of this kind of approach that um, it is better anyway to make decisions based on an evaluation of as many signals as you can gather. And it clearly takes more investment and it requires more careful implementation and tuning of the systems. But you know, applying analytics, artificial intelligence, machine learning to a richer variety of signals allows you to understand the balance of risk and trust you have at any time and to take corrective actions like elevating trust, step up authentication, um, or blocking access altogether, perhaps in the worst cases. Uh, but it also really has advantages from uh, a user experience point of view. And going back to my earlier point, you know, that's something that uh, is increasingly important. So with this kind of adaptive approach, you are really in a position where you can keep the friction out of the user journey, the friction associated with using legacy authentication methods. You can keep that out of the user journey until the level of risk demands it. So you can keep things simpler for people. You can not get in their way. And I think this is one of the interesting things we've seen in response to you know, the large number of people working from home, the remote access that's just driven by the, uh, the current pandemic, that if you switch this on, you've got a situation where now most of the people are working from probably corporate machines in a fixed location. So you're seeing that with signals all the time. You've got a very consistent picture of that, that person. And the need to step up authentication, to prompt for multi-factor authentication, probably doesn't arise. I think what we see in many policies, and this is historical, this is what we've seen in, in remote access in the past, that you would still periodically prompt for multi-factor authentication just to uh, essentially to show that uh, the right person is still in possession of the PC in that location, just to re, you know, rebind the person to the machine and the, the signals that go with it. But uh, being able to minimize the number of times that you are 
using separate authentication, mobile push or a token, whatever it is, then that just makes uh, employees' lives easier. And so going beyond 2020 as we progress into 2021, so what are the new trends that you expect or what is that you expect to change when it comes to authentication, authorization or even ID? Um, I think we're, we're going to see more of the kind of adaptive approaches that I've described. Some of the simple ones that are kind of more rules-based binary decisions that just happen at login are pretty common. But I think we're going to see more of the true continuous adaptive approaches that provide much more resilience and provide a better balance of user experience and security. I think also we're going to see more investment in technologies that enable passive passwordless authentication. I think the challenge for many organizations is they know they want to get rid of passwords in some way, either because they're a challenge for people, they have poor user experience, excuse me, they have poor experience, or that is a, a magnet for cyber criminals and is a security risk. So there are, there are multiple drivers that are prompting people to look for a passwordless approach, but there is a variety of ways of doing that. And I think what, which of those options is going to succeed uh, is, is you know, the challenge. Um, certainly, it's, um, you know, if you really invest in that, the analytics that I talked about that are part of that adaptive approach to access, potentially, you can let people log in without a password in the first place. If you have sufficient confidence in all of the signals that you see, then that might give you enough trust without having to prompt for a password. And I think that is where we're going to see greater emphasis in the future. The combination of increased use of analytics and the, what we're calling mobile multi-factor authentication methods, where all of the factors are combined in the same device. Thank you very much and for your insight on how to improve authentication protocols as we progress into 2021 and also dealing with this new norm. Okay, it's been my pleasure. Bye. This is Geetan and Dikot Kurt for ISMG.